Local Radio for Portsmouth. And here we are just after 7 o'clock. Thanks for company as always. Here live from Studio 2 here in Central Portsmouth. Welcome to Express This Week. This is Chris Pierce. Thanks for company tonight. We look back to what's been going on. A very busy seven days across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Uh, on the show tonight at 10 past seven, we're talking energy crisis. We've been hearing a lot, of course, uh, on the news of late. Uh, Ken Sim from Haven Citizens Advice uh, is here. And quite an apt moment, actually, to get him on. Uh, we'll chat with Ken of the latest on the energy... Uh, uh, yeah, it's energy crisis, really. And any advice that perhaps Ken can give us. Uh, more on that with Ken in about 10 minutes or so here on the show tonight. At 7.25, uh, we're in conversation with Wendy Redman. She's from the Hampshire Cultural Trust. Uh, we'll talk about the pop-up shop in Gosport. One of a kind is the exhibition. We'll find out more about that uh, with Wendy at uh, 7.25 tonight. I think there's something else going to ask her too. Come on, there's so many bits of paper here. It could be anywhere. Oh, yes, tag a tile. See, we can find out more about that. Yeah, uh, Wendy here later for a chat at 7:25 tonight here on the show. I mean, turn our attentions at 7:45 to, to the organis- Hampshire-based organisation, I should say, uh, called Open Sight. And we're talking about funding awarded to help the visually impaired. Uh, great organisation. And Nikki Wilmot. Nikki's been on before. Nice catch up with her. Uh, here later for a chat at 7:45 tonight. And we'll turn our attentions in the next hour, around about 8.25, to our profile guest uh, on the show this week from the RNLI. And I suppose with Easter just around the corner, despite the, uh, <laughs> despite the freezing temperatures currently at the moment, of course, uh, we'll catch up with uh, Neil Maxwell. He's our profile guest. Hear more about the organisation, the history, of course. Uh, here's suddenly how it affects uh, us here in Portsmouth. Uh, perhaps also... Um, have looked back the last couple of years being busy hasn't it uh, and difficult and challenging in so many other ways as well Neil our profile guest night here uh, later 8.25 for here two of his songs as well they're quite interesting to be honest and you can find out why later local news and views from now until then here 93.7 FM DAB and we're online of course at expressfm.com where you can find all the information about uh, the station of course and other bits and pieces as well and and we'll turn our attentions to uh, news and views of course and particularly uh, the energy crisis which we covered here on the programme a couple of times already so far this year no exception tonight from having citizens of the voice uh, Ken Sim joins me on the line now always great to get Ken on Ken how are you? I'm good, Chris. It's always good to speak to you. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought you times. might be tempted. Thought you might be tempted to play something like "Money's Too Tight to Mention." Or... I, I could have done. Can I? I might do that. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking, I'll try and find on the system. <laughs> try and yeah. see. That's a good song, actually. Um, I mean, Ken, it, things are tight, aren't they? We we never envisaged this, did we? No, we didn't. And and you know, I don't need to tell anyone there's a squeeze on household budgets. What's become clearer since we last spoke, which was just in January, is that. You know, the reality is worse than those predictions we were making back then. Um, all the pressures on costs have continued and added to that. The war in Ukraine, of course, has undoubtedly made things a little worse. Back in January, we were talking about price inflation heading for 
Now there's fears of it reaching 10% at a 40-year high. Mm. And that's scary to, to even contemplate that, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, okay, so what's causing it? Well, I think the, the main reason, of course, yeah. is the global price for energy. Uh, everything we do or buy uses energy from production of goods to the delivery of them. And and it's not just the, the, the cost of energy. As the world's economy wakes up after the COVID pandemic, there's been a huge surge in demand for raw materials and goods. Um, so much of what we buy... Uh, and users imported, and even the cost of hiring things like ships' containers to bring stuff here has risen. So there's little you or I can do about the effects of the rising costs on our budgets, with the uh, you know with the exception of of how much we actually consume. Yeah, uh, I mean people are like making sort of very tough choices, aren't they? Whether to put the heat in on or or to eat, and we shouldn't be like that at all, should we? No, and I think you know the it, of course it is the energy is the one that's getting all the headlines at the moment. Um, you know, a far more well-known consumer expert than me used to keep constantly telling us on TV and radio and the papers to switch energy supplies yes. to get to get a good deal. But naturally, as messages changed in recent months, um, you can still switch energy suppliers, but there's no good deals out there at the moment. Um, some of the energy companies may be offering people the chance to switch to a fixed rate deal, yeah. which is likely higher than you're currently paying. And if you want the certainty of what you'll be paying over the next year or so, it might be worth considering, but personally, I'm sticking with the standard variable tariff just in case prices start to come down again. Yeah. Uh, um, do you think that's likely? Who know, You know, no one can predict no. this, really. No one can predict what's going to happen because, you know, when we saw these prices going up late last year and, you know, lots of energy companies were going bust, some of the smaller companies, no one really predicted what was going to happen. And then, of course, add to that... The the uh, the war in Ukraine, which is uh, which is obviously having an impact yeah. as well. Although we were already having this energy crisis, to be fair. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, most of us enjoy, if that's the right word, mm. the energy price cap. Um, this is the rate set by Ofgem by the, the energy regulator, which is the maximum amount people on standard variable tariffs can be charged. And it was originally intended, actually, to protect those unable or unwilling to shop around for energy. It's taken on a slightly different role now, of course. Mm. Um, but just touching on that energy uh, price cap, yeah. it's reviewed every six months, and it actually goes up again tomorrow, which, is, of course, it's been making the headlines today everywhere. Yes, yes. Um, it, you know, the, 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 the rate at the moment... Um, the annual cost of energy for dual fuel household, the energy cap currently is set at around £1,277 for a typical household. Tomorrow, that price cap goes up by nearly £700 to you know, 1971 That's a 54% increase. It's so staggering, it, it, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, I mean, most of us, in domestic households are protected to an extent by that energy price cap. Um, it might not feel like we're benefiting, but believe me when I say, prices would actually be much higher without the price cap. There is an exception, though, which is often forgotten, is anyone who's ha who has a communal energy or heating system. This could be typically be in blocks of flats with a communal boiler, where the cost of energy is shared between tenants. These tenants aren't protected by the energy price cap, because the energy used is purchased as a commercial supply. Mm. 
to be fair, in the past they did benefit from lower prices, but right now their prices have gone up massively compared to the rest of us who you know, are, are more typical energy users. So the message really is to, to, well, to stick with it, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, the, the, prices, the, 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 the price we're paying for energy tomorrow will be higher than it is today. Mm. Um, w- w- one of the tips that's been going around, you'll have heard, is if you're not on a smart credit meter and you usually submit meter readings, there is a suggestion that you should take a reading today yeah. and submit it to your energy supplier before midnight. But I think we just heard in the 7 o'clock news there, actually the energy companies are being criticised because people can't get onto their websites because they're crashing. Yes. Because everyone's trying to submit readings. Actually, I went and submitted a reading earlier, and I couldn't get on my energy supplier's website, but they do have an email address where you can send the reading to. So I was able to send my meter reading. Normally I do it online, but actually I was able to do it by email. But if you can't actually submit your reading tonight, either by email or online, it's worth taking a picture of the meter readings, and then you can tell them about it later. Okay, you so have you, to, but, but you can yeah, still, you can do, still that. do that. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. Right. And it's probably, it may save you some money. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, my meter reading is due in a few days anyway. So actually... I wasn't at a great risk of being overcharged in any way. Yeah. Um, but but for some people, if you've only recently given a reading, um, you know it may it may have affected you uh, much more than that. But um, but but Chris, I suppose the question is, what help is available for people? Yes, I mean that, yeah, I mean it's tough for you trying to sort of keep up with all this, isn't it? It is, and and because there's been a lot in the news about it, so most people will have heard um, that, that the Chancellor was trying to put in place some help for the home energy bills, but mm. it, it really doesn't come close to covering the increases we're seeing. Um, you know, I'll leave it to the politicians to argue about what should and shouldn't be done. Sure. You know, I don't have to try and balance the national budget. But um, you'll have heard that um, uh, you can get £150 back from the council to help towards your energy bills. Uh, it's called a, a rebate, and you'll get the rebate if you're in a, um, through your council tax if you pay council tax in bands A to properties A to D in bands A to D. Uh, you can find information on your local council's website about how they're doing that. Most of them, for customers who are paying by direct debit, mm. will actually get the money refunded to them into their bank account, the £150. But if you don't pay by direct, direct debit, um, it might be worth uh, setting it up yeah. just in order to make sure you get your money quite quickly. And this is regardless, um, isn't it? You, you, know, you, you, you have to have this, isn't it? You can't uh, not, not take it or take it up. Is that right? Well, there's, there's, there is isn't there is another um, one, which right. is, um, you know, because, we, as I say, we, we talked about the one that they, that's going through the council tax. Yes. And it only applies to people in properties of bands A to D. Um, the, the other one that's uh, happening is um, it's a sort of, it's a rebate or a loan. It's, 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 it's £200, which is actually going to all um, households yes. in October. Um, but this one's a bit different in that, you know, we're all going to get this um, £200 uh, rebate, but actually it's going to have to be paid back over a few years, £40 a year for five years, okay? Yeah. So the government announced this £200 energy reduction, if you like, in October, um, and it's, it's, a sort of, it's always a bit like a loan. Some people are saying, oh, it's a loan because we're going to pay it back. Um, but it, it, it is a kind of loan in that the government are effectively reducing our energy bills from October by 200 quid, but then they're going to start, they're going to claw that 40 quid a month, 
only quit a year yeah. uh, over the next five years to get that back. So that's that, and that one goes to everyone who has energy bills. So that's that's going to happen. But but there is there is some other help which people may have heard of. Um, there's the warm home discount scheme. Uh, which is available to people who maybe are on the um, getting a guarantee credit part of pension credit or on a particularly low income. Um, you can get up to £140 off your uh, energy bill. You have to speak to your energy supplier about that to find out whether you qualify. So that's worth following. That's called the Warm Home Discount Scheme. Um, and some energy companies are offering, can offer some grants to help people um, who are struggling, you know, who've got energy debt. Um, these energy suppliers offer grants, British Gas Energy Trust, Scottish Power Hardship Fund, the OVO Energy Fund, the Eon Energy, Energy Fund, EDF Energy Fund, and the Bulb Energy Fund and Octopus Energy Fund. So they're worth looking up okay. because if, you, if you've got energy debt, um, and, th and there may also be local grants available. The government has given money to local authorities, local councils, to help people in financial hardship. And local councils decide how this money is spent. Um, as we've got a number of different local authorities across the Express FM area, I can't really just talk about all the individual ones mm. because obviously we've got Portsmouth, Haddon, Fair and Gosport, yeah. you know, all of these different uh, local authorities. So it's worth checking out either the local authorities' website, which is probably the easiest way, or, um, you know, giving them a call to find out if there's any help available uh, for people. Ken, but, it's fantastic it, advice as always. And that's the key, isn't it? I mean, try and get some help. It, it is, yeah. And, and of course, you know, with this, people are going to start, you know, struggling to pay their bills. Yes. Uh, getting into debt, because, you know, if you're having to pay for energy, you might not be paying for something else. It's worth talking to your local citizens' advice. Yeah. Um, you know, you can call citizens' advice on 0808 278 7809, or you can visit citizensadvice.org, or indeed any of your local citizens' advice across the area um, who can advise you, help your budget, see if there's any extra help available. There's a, there's, there's a lot we can try and do, and we're always trying to help people. Bless you. Ken, thank goodness you're there for us. That's all I can say. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's much, very kind. Oh, it's much appreciated. <laughs> Ken, we might uh, come back to you in future weeks. Is that okay? And uh, perhaps yeah, we can have another update because obviously this is going to run for, for some time, I think, yet. And uh, yeah, who knows in a few is. weeks' time, Ken, where we're going to be. We just don't know, do we? It's a quite a fluid no. situation at the moment, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is, yeah. Yeah. Hi, right, Ken. Good to talk to you, mate, as always. Take care. Thanks, talk Chris. soon. Bye Cheers, bye. Ken. Bye. bye now. Ken's in there and some sound advice from the Haven't Citizens Advice as well, and uh, some food for thought thing on there, too. Uh, 7.24, plenty more still ahead tonight. Uh, we've got some uh, We've got some Simply Web. We'll play that soon as well. And talking to Wendy Redmond from the Hampshire Cultural Trust. And it's local news and views from now on to 9 o'clock tonight. Thanks for being here tonight. 93.7 FM, DAB, and online, of course, follow across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Even to you from uh, Clanfield tonight, Love Dean, Horn Dean, Hayden Lyons, Emsworth, and Haven't Waterlooville, all over the city of Portsmouth, and across Fairman Gosport as well. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, we're talking about the uh, Hampshire Cultural Trust. And we're talking about a pop-up shop uh, in Gosport, in actual fact. Uh, and uh, Wendy Redman uh, uh, joins me on the line now to tell us all about it. Wendy, how are you? All right. 
Hello, yeah. I'm fine, thanks, Chris. Good stuff. Uh, you, you're here to bring some sort of light and bright stuff into our lives. I think we need it at the moment. <laughs> so something that, that's positive. Right. Hope, that's right. Some, something new yeah. and different, hopefully, for the high street is what we're trying to trying to do. Yeah, and uh, well, tell us about the pop-up shot. It's quite uh, it's something different, isn't it? It, it certainly is. So um, while our main building, a Gosport Gallery and Search, is yeah. closed temporarily for redevelopment, we have taken on a shop unit in Gosport High Street. We've named it One of a Kind because it definitely yeah. is one of a kind. <laughs> um, and what we're, what we're doing in the shop unit is we are supporting local makers and craftspeople from Gosport and um, the nearby areas. Um, lots and lots of people during lockdown started to take up yeah. Um, lots of hobbies and making, and then they want they want to turn it into a business, but it's really really hard to break into <laughs> to get your goods out there. Yeah. And there are so so many talented people. So what we're doing is we um have we are we're showcasing six different makers up to six different makers a month, and it's changing on a monthly basis. And they have the opportunity to bring their goods along into our shop. We display them um, and we you know, sell them through. We have our, our big band of volunteers are manning the units as well. And and also we are trying to get the story out of the makers, um, you know, behind the actual makers as well. So we've got biographies in the shop. We're doing sort of mini films. We're doing features on them so that people actually know the person behind what they're buying. Oh, okay. That's something that is different, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's very, very different. Yeah. We've um, yeah, but we opened in the by the end of February, yeah. um, and we featured a couple of local makers, um, a wood turner. We had wow. um, a kind of glass maker, a ceramicist, a lady that makes um, door wreaths. Um, we have had a jewelry maker, a lady that makes some jewelry out of coffee pods. She's a, a local person, and rather than binning the aluminium coffee pods, well, she turns them into jewelly. Yeah, it is very, very <laughs> you, you wouldn't know. Who you would not know that you're. <laughs> yeah, you would, wouldn't know that you're wearing a coffee yeah. pod in your ear or around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so um, and lots of the makers have you know taken to making for different reasons, and that's the yeah. sort of story we're trying to tell as well. Okay, well that's slightly different take off things, isn't it? I mean, is this the first time you've done something like this? It, it is. I mean, we have run sort of makers' fairs where we've supported local makers. Yeah. Um, we had one at Fort Brockhurst um, just before Christmas, which was really, really successful, attracting 9,000 people over the weekend. Um, and we found that there's a really big need for you know, somewhere, an outlet for makers, basically, to basically sell. And we've also been running um, little courses alongside to to help them to know how to sort of market themselves. What it's very difficult to put a price on what you're making. Yeah. If you put all your, your heart soul into making something, but to know whether someone's going to buy it and what would somebody pay for it. So we're running courses on that. Now, how to get yourselves um, known, how to put up a website, how to um, run social media pages. So we've run little courses to help, you know, to support to support the local makers as well while they're in the shop. That's fantastic. What an idea. What a great idea too. Where can we find this shop there? Because um, while I've got you there also, you also got this tag of tile, haven't you? We have, yes, we have. Yeah, Tagatile is um, the community calendar. Well, the shop, I feel like the shop is um, located, it's yeah. 124 the high street. We have a nice new vinyl banner, one of a kind on the top, and we have a giant seagull that was made by a community oh. group for a previous exhibition so outside. So we can't miss you then? 
You cannot miss the giant seagull. Just head in where the giant seagull is. Um, yes, we we are running Tag a Tile campaign. Um, it's been running for a few months now. And it is to get the community to actually have their say and be a part of history. Because when we open our new building, we're creating a lovely new courtyard, an outside space that we haven't had up until now. And we're going to be edging it with um, personal tiles. So people can uh, make a small donation to um, toward the development and refurbishment and activities yeah. that we are going to be able to provide. And then they will be able to have an inscription on a tile, very similar to the ones that were already in Gosport at the Millennium Walkway um, that were put down you know, 20, yes. over 20 years ago now. Yeah. And lots of people missed out. So um, <laughs> we thought we'd give them the opportunity to you know, put a name on a tile. Um, and we're running uh, that campaign until the end of April. Okay. Um, we so we've got a, 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 I've still got a few few tiles, not many left. Um, we've sold well over two thirds of them. Wow! So we are having a, a last push on it, and um, people can either come directly into our unit to buy one, or if you go on the Hampshire Cultural Trust um, web pages, put tag a tile, and um, they'll be able to donate online that way and get their inscription put on the tile. Okay, so it's it's just a donation. That people it's, can make to minim- do this, yeah? Yeah, min- minimum, minimum donation we're asking for of £30. Um, but people have been so generous. The people of Gosport really are getting behind us and behind this campaign um, and helping us to raise as much as we can, you know, to be able to deliver, give them something back once we open. Yeah, cause it's a lovely building anyway, isn't it? So that's got nostalgia in, in any case, building. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is, yeah. So, and yeah. uh, it's uh, it, that once it's reopened, it take pride of place once again in there and hoist it, which is all good. So, uh, yeah, positive stuff. And this is great. Exactly. Uh, and what we're hoping to do is, um, on, on the success of the one of a kind shop, we're then yeah. going to be carrying on that within our museum building, and our retail offer will be local makers. Oh, wow. So there's something there for everyone, really, to get involved with this uh, and, is, uh, and support yeah. this. This is a great idea, too. So um, is this something which you're going to carry on, perhaps, in the future? Is this something you're looking yeah, to perhaps yeah. improve on? Yeah? Yeah, definitely. If there are any local makers out there in the gospel area who are really looking for an outlet for their goods, if they can contact us... Um, and then, you know, we'll, we've been doing a small Dragon's Den style <laughs> interview <laughs> with the makers. We, we just to make sure we've got a good mix in the shop and to actually find out a bit about the person behind yeah. it. Not quite as nasty as the dragons on the telly. No, Don't give that such not. a grilling. Oh, but, um, yeah, brilliant. so we've got all sorts. We've got some um, authors coming up. We have got um, beautiful more ceramics coming in. Lots and lots of jewellery makers. There's some painters, artists. So lots of things over the next few months that will be um, coming into one of a kind. Lovely. Uh, and again, you're at 124, is that right? Did I get that right? 124, the High Street Gospel. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. What end of the High Street are you? Are you... Always it's forget. the top end, but op- opposite where the spoon's next to Ladbrokes. <laughs> location. <laughs> <laughs> next to the bookies. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you picked well there, Wendy, didn't you? So, <laughs> so, yeah. so you just look out for the seagull. Um, See, yeah. Lots of people have been having selfies done with the seagulls. Have they really? <laughs> and they do that. Yeah, we're asking them to then upload them onto our social media and our Instagram. Um, <laughs> and lots of children stopping and talking to the big bunny, yeah. as they call him. A big bunny. 
budgie, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> quite budgie. a big budgie, actually, yes, indeed. <laughs> in more ways than one, bless him. Oh, dear. When you look, good luck with this. It's, it's um, a brilliant idea as well. Uh, uh, and when's the actual um, refurb finished? Do we know, is there a date yet, or...? No, no, it'll be um, in the autumn. In the autumn, is all we know, isn't it? So we've still got some yes, time to yes, go with this one of a kind, which is good, and people can come along uh, and support it. Their droves. That's okay, that's what, yeah, and even if they come in once to come back again because there will always be something different to see. And we are creating some mini exhibitions as well. We're doing a okay. Jubilee exhibition with school groups yes. and a little Falklands exhibition as well within the space. So, oh, lots to see. so plenty more still to come. Well, I look forward, Wendy, to hearing further from you then. But we'll get you back on. All yep. right? That would be fantastic. Lovely Thanks, to talk Chris. To. Cheers, Wendy. Love to all. Take Thank care. Bye bye. Bye. Wendy Redmond there from the Hampshire Cultural Trust and that pop up shop. Look out for the seagull in Gospel High Street. Probably can't miss it there. And uh, obviously the bookies. Wendy, what you like, eh? Uh, but uh, tell, uh, Wendy, uh, tell us all about that here on Express this week. Uh, 13 Sunday nights, of course, we do this from 7 soon to 9 o'clock, 7.40 the time now, and we're chatting soon to Nikki Wilmot from Openside, Hampshire. And Express this week, thanks to company tonight, we'll do this on the 30 and Sunday nights between 7 and 9 o'clock. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get the right bit of paper. There you go. <laughs> yes, I still, I still print things out. Ironically, I can find things better on paper than I can on the screen. But I'm not so sure. Uh, we're talking about the uh, wonderful organisation called Open Sight in Hampshire. And we're talking about uh, funding that to help visually impaired women and girls get active. Uh, from Open Sight in Hampshire, uh, it's lovely to have Nikki Wilmot back with us here on the show. Nikki, how are you? Right? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not so bad at all. Lovely to talk to you again, Nikki. Uh, when did you last come on? Was it back in the last year? It was. It was yeah. literally just a few weeks ago. Um, it, time flies quickly, but yes, oh. it was. It was very recent. Oh, was it? Oh, blimey, I, I can't keep up. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I'm just too busy. That's what it is. I'm doing all these things, these exciting projects yeah, in our are. area. So um, great juggling, and uh, there's so much going on, isn't it? And it's great to see things back together again. You know, after the last couple of years of uh, what we've been through. Uh, and uh, I mean, tell us about this uh, award because I'm guessing this is something which is off the back of what we've been through. Positive news. Yeah, so so back before the the pandemic hit us, we went to um, a networking event for the This Girl Can campaign, which is all about getting women and girls over the age of sixteen um, into leisure activities and sports. Um, and we thought, actually, as a charity, we've never supported something like this before. This was a brand new sort of innovation um, and a really good idea to get um, our ladies who often don't um, get involved in sports and leisure activities because of their visual impairment, um, because maybe they think that it's not accessible or something that they haven't done for a long time or they don't think they can. Um, so we decided to put together um, an application for the um, fund, um, for the This Girl Can Community Fund in conjunction with Sport England, um, for some money so that we could actually provide this. So part of our project was not only to get our ladies into these um, and engaged in these sports and leisure activities, but to also offer our training, our, our site awareness training to instructors, because obviously they might not have come across participants who are visually impaired. So how are they going to teach their skill set if they didn't know how or the best way to do it? So, yeah, it's been very exciting. It is, and there's so much going on, isn't there? Uh, I mean, this, this is something really quite different, isn't it, as well? 
it really is and you know it, it was it was a bit scary we were delighted to be awarded the money um yeah. to be able to do it and we, we're covering two areas so the Eastleigh area and the Haven area which is where we're focusing on and um so we're you know so it's it's really great that we're able to yeah. sort of spread this project over these areas and not only to sort of look at venues it's been quite tricky looking at accessibility of venues you know were they able to facilitate us so it's taken quite quite a lot of background work before we could actually put these events on so the actual pandemic was in a way it was a bit it was slightly beneficial to us because we could mm. do a lot of research with our ladies and get that sort of training up and running so um you know we're delighted that we're actually running the classes now and they've been really successful so far which is great and why in particular these two areas so um the actual statistics that the this girl can um and energize me which is um, a project looking at sports and engagement activities for females in in hampshire um, noted that those particular areas, the upkeep and the actual engagement of ladies in those areas wasn't as um, as high as other, other parts of Hampshire. Okay. And we thought, actually, we've got a lot of ladies in, of our um, clients in those areas. So actually, what can we do to help that, those statistics? And um, so that was our main aim, was to, to get those ladies active and, you know, um, to, to sustain um, the actual project we want those ladies to actually be able to access those mainstream events once once our funding ends so it, you know it's a win-win situation really for everybody yeah and it, this is what that's what it's all about it brings people together as well doesn't it because obviously if you lose your sight or you're visually impaired uh, it's going to be pretty daunting anyway isn't it Absolutely. And there's so many factors that can affect what um, activities uh, these ladies participate in, because if your sight is limited, your Mm. balance is affected, your depth perception. So there's many things to think about that you're having to think, is is it safe? And, you know, and not only that, how are they going to get there? You know, they didn't want to travel maybe on public transport, which was understandable. So there's there's so many things that have to be considered. And we're, you know, we're really lucky that we've managed to successfully run these sessions so that everyone feels as safe as possible. And not only with the pandemic, but also that they're not going to hurt themselves because that's so important, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Any thoughts of perhaps, you know, rolling this out to other areas? Hopefully we can. Um, th- this is The funding is specified in these areas, but right. we do have ladies that travel in from other areas into Haven or into Eastleigh. So it's not exclusively for those ladies. Anybody can come and join us. Um, we're fortunate enough that the Haven events are fairly near the bus station, the train station, so that they are accessible. And, that, and that's the whole point. The same as Eastleigh. They, they're right in the middle there. Um, you know, um, I've, I, I walk to the bus station and meet, meet our clients off the bus. There's plenty of support for ladies that do want to join that maybe feel a little bit, oh, how do I feel about getting there? Yeah. Or, um, you know, is it safe? Will I find my way there? There's, there's loads we can do. And I just urge any ladies to get in touch with us and we can support them to attend as many sessions as they would like. And this is quite apt, really, Nikki, because obviously the organisation celebrating 100 years this year as well. We absolutely are, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been great to be involved in new projects and, um, you know, to really boost um, our involvement with the VI community in Hampshire. It's it's a pleasure to be part of it and and so lovely to see new friendships being made and seeing these ladies, you know, completely come alive. 
their learning routines. You know, they, they yes. never thought that back in January when they were starting um, that they would be able to do this. You know, I watched them on Tuesday doing um, a body conditioning routine in Haven, and there was it was a whole routine as you would see in any other yeah. keep fit class. And you know, there I was standing there like a proud mum watching them and the progress. <laughs> Not only their their sort of core strength, their stamina, their confidence. You know, they're just so, they're thriving, and it's just, it's lovely, and I can't wait. And um, Next week we start in Haven with self-defence, so... Goodness um, me, really? Yeah, it's, yeah, we did the self-defence at Eastleigh, we're wow. now moving it to Haven. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the ladies said to me, I, I need to defend myself, I can't see... If somebody tried to mug me, I wouldn't be able to describe what they look like to the police. I wouldn't be able to run after them. But I just want to feel as safe as I can. So to give them this is really empowering these women. And it means so much to be able to to provide that for them. And this is really doing it, isn't it? This award is really helping for for confidence, as you say, more more than anything else. Yeah, it really is. And, and like we say, if, if we can just play a small part in allowing yeah. these women to just have as many positive experiences um, as possible, then that's going to encourage them to, to keep with it, to stay with it and to maintain that and, and to see their, their whole um, mental health and well-being just be so boosted is, is incredible. If people want to find out more about this, Nikki, how can they do that? How can they go about it? Okay, so um, you can phone Open Sight on 02380. 641244 or you can email us at info at opensite.org.uk or our website www.opensite.org.uk Brilliant stuff. Nikki, always a joy to have you on the show and, and this is uh, great stuff as well and good luck with the project. Fingers crossed Thank it goes so well. I'm sure it'll be a success as always and uh, always nice to come back to you in future weeks on the show. Cheers Nikki, Brilliant. appreciate it lovely. Thank you. Love to all. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, lovey. Uh, Nikki there uh, from the Open Site in Hampshire. Nikki Walmart. And uh, tell us about that. Great scheme. And if you want to get uh, along to that, then do go on their website if you want to find out more information about Open Site in Hampshire. Or, as Nikki said, uh, you can give them uh, a call uh, on This week, thanks to company. Thursdays and Sunday nights, we do this between seven and nine o'clock. So, back to what's been going on locally across our area from the last seven days, of course. And time for our profile guests. We always try doing this particular slot of the program. Find out who's uh, who's out there in our local community. Uh, no exception tonight. We do sterling work all year round, and uh, thank goodness they are there uh, from the RNLI, uh, particularly here in Portsmouth. Neil Maxwell joins me on the line now. Neil, good evening to you, sir. How are you? Good evening, Chris. Very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Thank you. Thanks for coming on and, and chatting with us tonight about the RNLI. I mean, it does what it says on the tin, really, but uh, the, the, there's so much more to the organisation because, I, I mean, uh, it's been featured on TV programmes well recently, which is actually quite uh, quite informative in actual fact. Uh, some of the extremes that uh, you guys have to go out and be part of, really, the weather. Yeah, it's um, the RLI is an amazing organisation. When you look at the programmes and see the boats going out and rescuing people, that's really just a tenth of what really goes on with the organisation. 
Behind the scenes, there are so many fundraisers that raise the money. I mean, we've got 23,000 volunteer fundraisers across the country. Wow. Um, and without their work getting the fundraising in for us, those boats would not launch. No. Um, quite simply. Um, I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but every, every day, sorry, every two minutes, someone drowns in this country. That's, that's quite right, a, in, internationally around the world. Yeah, that's quite a scary, scary sort of stat, really, isn't it? Every two minutes, two hundred thirty-five thousand people a year, um, and two hundred twenty-seven children under the, under the age of fifteen drown around the world every mm. day, including the UK. I mean, that's, that's a scary stat, isn't it? Yeah, it is very much so. When you sort of break it down into, to, uh, certainly puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Really, uh, yeah. and for us here in the, the Portsmouth area, uh, in particular the Portsmouth sort of lifeboat station, uh, has been going quite a few years now. Yeah, so Lifeboat Station has been there um, in its current format since uh, the early 60s, 1960s. Um, and before that, uh, there was a station around where Southsea Rowing Club used to be, okay. where, where they had the old rowing boat. Um, we've got two lifeboats uh, that we use uh, at our current location. We've got what's called an Atlantic 85, which is 8.5 metre rib. Uh, and we've got a smaller 5.5 metre rib. Uh, sorry, it's not a rib, it's a sort of inflatable dinghy called a D-glass. Um, which is fantastic for going out in all weathers um, and in the shallowest parts of the harbours, because obviously the, the harbours are very shallow yeah. in areas, you know, and when we need to get to people, that's, that's, that's the tool for the job. Yeah. It's a quite a busy waterway as well, isn't it, with that, uh, that you look after? Yeah, the Solent, uh, and particularly Portsmouth Harbour Approach, is a very, very busy um, area with, with all types of shipping. Um, you know, you can you can have your big ferries to um, your very small dinghies, your jet skis, um, all yeah. sort of milling alongside each other. Um, and depending on experience levels for the people on the helms or driving them, um, you know, there's a lot of recipes for disaster that can happen quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned there, of course, the busy shipping lanes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing you work with all sorts of different partners, too. Yeah, we do. We've got very good relationships with the uh, local Coast Guard. Um, they have uh, response teams uh, that, that come out and help us search from the shore for people, um, and their work's great. They have a dedicated mud team, because obviously Langston Harbour, Portsmouth Harbour, there's plenty of mud around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, a few mud um, flats. <laughs> yeah, and they've, they've got the special kit that we need to, uh, to get out and rescue people. Um, and I think we worked with them quite a few times last year. Yeah, that, yeah. So I was going to say the last two years must have been very challenging in its own way. Well, it's it's been very very challenging in so many different respects. For yeah. us. Um you know, we, we didn't stop working through it. The lifeboat was fully operational all through all through that. Um, but what really hit us hard was fundraising. Yes. Um, because trying to keep the money coming in in the midst of a lockdown. Um, it was hard work, um, and we've been very fortunate with the with the donations we've received. Um, you know, when we sent out some some PR about the situation, people responded. Um, but you know, all through lockdown, we were pulling people out of the sea. Still, um, we were we were rescuing them off mudflats. Yeah. Um, you know, there was so many rescues going on, and it wasn't really all that well publicised because there were so many bigger things to worry about in the world. Yes. Yes, so these little, you know, these matters were sort of almost tucked under the carpet, really, but the importance of the issue you know, was still there. Very much so. Um, I mean, the big impact it did have on us was recruitment and training. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we were a volunteer organisation. 
Um, everybody at Portsmouth Lifeboat Station is a volunteer. Um, and because of the lockdown, training just wasn't possible. Um, so we're playing catch up with that at the moment. So we've got quite a tough challenge ahead of us to yeah. uh, to catch up on two years worth of missed training, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite tough, isn't it? So yeah. you've had to adapt in some ways, and I guess, particularly from a fundraising point of view, you've had to adapt because of, because of COVID. Yeah, very much so. There's all sorts of different initiatives that have been used online, um, and um, one thing that we did get involved with, which has been heavily publicised, was the migrant crisis. Yeah, uh, and people on the channel, you know, we haven't stopped. You know, rescuing people who are in harm's way. Do we have um, a much sort of um, issue with that round here in, in the in the Solent area? Oh, we've only had two two occasions that I'm aware of. One, right. one was us, and one was another independent organisation locally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we we our, our colleagues in the uh, maritime police force came and um, collected them once they've so, been rescued. So that's a hell of a way to come in the first place, isn't it? To come this far rather than <laughs> Dover. Well, it's quite amazing. The people that, that we rescued had, um, had um, acquired a yacht, shall we say that, yeah. um, in, in Wiestrom, Caen, and had sailed all the way across the channel. Wow. But, <laughs> so they didn't have any experience at all. They just got lucky. They just kept heading north. <laughs> <laughs> kept going for it. Yeah. <laughs> to, to the sore land, basically. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? And, and some of these stories, I mean, you know, if, could we, I mean, you put yourself in their shoes, could we ever do it? I mean, I we even think about it. Well, I don't know. I think, you know, I think things have changed an awful lot in, mm. in my lifetime. I'm, I'm 51 now. You know, when I, when I was at school, it was quite a right to go down to the sailing centre at the Eastern Road there, and you'd go out on a sailing dinghy and go and lark around in the mud uh, and have some fun, yeah. whereas now, with, with all the changes in the rules with health and safety and things like that, supervision, um, people's experiences of the seas have, have narrowed as a consequence. Um, people don't get the opportunity to be exposed to the water at the early ages that perhaps we were previously. Yeah, do, do you um, think that's a necessity, Dale? Um, I think it is a necessity because people need to be aware of the water. I mean, something the RLI do absolutely brilliantly well. Um, and there's Brian, who's based at our station, that goes out and visits the schools. Um, and he's always going to different schools around the area. Um, and, in fact, we had an amazing rescue we did, um, I think, about 18 months ago. Um, the two young girls that we rescued off a um, off, off a paddleboard that was drifting out to sea and it was dark, um, and they'd followed all the right, right steps and they said, we listened to what your man said when he came to our school. Wow. Done it. We did exactly what he said. So it just shows the importance of the education. So if we can't expose children to the water and the surrounding environment in the way that we used to be able to do so, the teaching that the RLI provides in the schools is, is even more vital. Yes, uh, and more so now. Uh, and I'm guessing, sort of, as we're sort of now coming out of winter, heading into spring, you're going to be a little bit busy, I would think. Yeah, I, I think we are. And um, I think what's going to be different about this year is that, you know, a lot of people didn't use their boats properly for the last two years. Yeah. Um, so because of that, there's going to be maintenance issues and breakdowns um, and things going wrong, um, which, which wouldn't have otherwise happened when the boats were being used properly. Um, and also what, what's changed in recent years is the advent of the, the blow-up paddleboard, um, you know, and personal watercraft like jet skis, which have become so much more available. Mm. Um, so we're seeing a lot more, you know, huge rise in those, and particularly where people have just jumped on a friend's jet ski and disappeared off. I mean, we had one chap who had been at the pub for quite some time and just taken out a jet ski wearing a pair of trainers and some jeans, um, um, and it had all gone horribly wrong. Yes. 
and literally we, we plucked him plucked him from the jaws of death um, and got him back to sea uh, got him back to safety um, but but another couple of minutes and that guy would have died yeah um, you really do have to respect the water yeah uh, and it's things like jet skis we've seen those in the news as well Neil haven't we I mean it's been causing sort of people problems uh, again surely well, things like that should come back to training shouldn't it well, they, they do, and, um, you know, there's lots of training courses available out there, um, and I think if you've got the money to buy a jet ski, you know, a couple of hundred pounds on doing a, a training course yeah. is money well, well spent, very well spent indeed, because, you know, the water's there for us all to use, and, and, and please go out and use it, but let's lose it, use it safely, responsibly, and knowing what we're doing. And I guess know your limits too, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, we've all got limits. I mean, there's times when I've been out on the lifeboat and it's beyond us and we've needed a bigger lifeboat and I've had to turn around and come back. Really? <laughs> and we've got loads of safety kit and lots of training. So. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. You, I mean, you, you go out uh, and I guess see, people are perhaps, I don't know, not selfish, but they don't really think about these things. But they do, as you said, that chap that went out, you know, uh, in his jeans and what have you on the jet ski and a lark around. And, you know, it could have been a completely different story if uh, things are, are taking a turn for the worse, as you said there um, but don't really think about the implications do they well they don't and and you know it's it, the RI produced some beer glasses actually and delivered them around to local pubs a few years ago mm. um, with respect the water on there and, and the sort of tales of what happens when you don't respect the sea um, and it was a tale about drinking and then going going out on the water um, and, and and I think that's really good because again it's educational um, you know we're, we're not the police of the sea we're there to help everybody you know, I, I don't mean, I don't mind how many times you call me out to rescue you, um, but you also need to think about what's happening when you've called me out to rescue you. My family I've had to leave behind on shore, the shopping that's been left in the supermarket. Um, you know, it's the crew drop everything literally, literally. come out and rescue people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's probably no situation I've been in that where the pager hasn't interrupted at some point now after ten years on the crew. Um, you know, I've, I run a local business, so I'm of, often having to drop what I do at, at work to pop out and rescue people. Um, but often people just don't think of the consequences. And it's not just us, it's the Coast Guard. Mm. Um, it could be the helicopter that's been scrambled at vast expense to rescue you. Um, I mean, there was a search we had to take part in a few years back that cost, I think, about £250,000. Wow. Uh, and the guy was found sat in a pub. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and and all he needed to have done was, was to ring someone to tell them he was leaving and he was coming back. Yeah. And it would have been fine. <laughs> uh, 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 probably an embarrassed person afterwards, I would have thought. Yes, yeah. yeah. Very red faces. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when you break it down to coughs, it, it definitely makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, and particularly uh, <laughs> that colossal sum. Was, uh, yeah, it's very scary indeed. Mm. Uh, I mean, in that time, since, I mean, you've been with the organisation now 10 years, you said then, uh, yeah, Neil, yeah? yeah. Uh, I guess things have changed? Yeah, things have changed. I mean, the, the RLI is modernising and changing like we all are. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a different world. We've got different types of technologies that can be used. Um, and I think the RLI is, is evolving as the world changes and adapts around yeah. it. Um, and we've got to... You can't be a monolith. Um, you know, you've got to move forward and look towards the future, the new generations and different ways of doing things. And the RLI is always trialling new technologies to see what works for us and what doesn't work for us. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting. And we've often looked at the interface between some of the new technology 
and the old way of doing things. And it's trying to find that middle ground constantly of what works best in all environments because when the computer says no in the middle of a storm and shuts itself down, you're still left with the mark one eyeball and uh, and, and the voice. <laughs> yes, computers blaming our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's how it's changing, you know, uh, organisations, you know, the service that you provide, what you do. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we've um, on the equipment we've got on the boat, we've got radar and we've got... Um, which is integrated with um, e-nav equipment, um, so sat-nav, for want of a better word, um, and um, all our crew are proficient in using that. And one of my favourite times to go out on the lifeboat is when the fog is, is at its thickest, um, because that's when the lifeboat really comes to life. Um, you know, all the crew working in harmony to, to, to navigate our way through that thick fog, listen out for the foghorns coming our way, yes. keeping our eyes glued to the radar. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, but I like it. <laughs> it's like a challenge to nil oh yes definitely <laughs> do you think you know from a fundraising point of view is that people think that you are all paid well actually you are as you say volunteers well yes indeed i mean sometimes i mean i remember one one after cow's week we uh, we rescued about about three o'clock in the morning that had run out of petrol although they were claiming to have broken down but i know they'd run out of petrol and uh, as we towed them back in, they said, well, at least you've made your shift worthwhile, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> With volunteers. I've got to go to work in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Do you think I want to be out here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, and this is the thing, perhaps it gives out the wrong signal in some ways. Yes, indeed, yeah. And we, we, we will go to anybody yeah. and we will rescue anybody, you know, and that's the RLI's mantra. We don't judge. You know, no. it doesn't matter what's happened because we want you to call us if you're in trouble. We do not want you to die. No. Um, you know, we are one crew. This is our watch. We will come for you if we can. So we need to be looking out for you guys, I guess, on the TV then, do we? Yeah. So we've been, well, I've been on about three times. Oh, have you now? Yeah, <laughs> my colleague's been on about twice. There's no competition going on. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, I've been rescued myself three times. Um, right. So, so that's been embarrassing, but hey, these things happen. Oh, uh, seriously, not as a mock-up or nothing. No, no, no. Quite seriously. Oh, no, good I, grief! I, Sorry, Neil. I was, I was <laughs> out on a racing yacht, and the yeah. uh, the mast snapped. No. And uh, yeah, we had to get uh, towed back in by my own boat. So, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> you can laugh at least at that, I suppose. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Yes, yeah. So again, it makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, there yeah. you go. You see, it puts it all in perspective. But uh, so we should look out for you uh, on the TV, I guess. Then it's probably yeah, repeated I, I, on some I, other channels too, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope. I hope we will be. <laughs> yeah, but it's all good, and it sort of flies the flag for what the good work that you do. Uh, particularly, well, I, I guess, for people to get involved with. Very much so. And I think that's been the key thing for us. Um, you know, the, the, the TV programmes that have been made have been a window for the public into our work um, because so many things happen, so many rescues we go to that don't get out into the public domain. Um, you know, we rescued a, a chap recently um, from underneath South Prey Pier, and it was one of the most dramatic rescues I've ever seen. Um, but it was brilliant we were there, but it didn't get in the press. You know, um, but you know, someone was given their life back that night, um, and we all went to work the next day. Um, it's something that we're all personally proud of. Yeah. Um, but again, our community needs to know that you know we are out at night looking for vulnerable people, for people who've gone for a swim and got swept away over the tide. Happens all the time. One of our um, colleagues in the independent lifeboat over at Gosport, yes, uh, they were out most of the night on Saturday night. Um, they had three jobs 
one after the other. I think they left the, their boathouse at nine o'clock at night and got back in at four o'clock in the morning. Ouch. Yeah. So <laughs> those yeah. are the things that go on while you sleep. Yes, I mean, so again, you just don't realise, uh, particularly at that time. And I suppose the weather was pretty good as well, wasn't it? People taking advantage. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. But people taking advantage of going for a dip late at night and just get swept away with the currents. Now, people perhaps to not listen to uh, Neil, quite fancy being a volunteer, and bearing in mind, you know, they could be called out any time, day or night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, what's the process? I guess in training is quite rigorous. Well, the training is rigorous, and, and you know, we, we take a lot of people from, from zero to hero, for want of a better turn of phrase. So yeah. if you haven't got any, any water experience, don't worry about it. We will help with that. Um, and in the 10 years I've been at the station, it's been very fulfilling to see a lot of people who had no experience with the water at all um, to go on to, to be coxswains of lifeboats themselves now, um, which is fantastic testament to the training that the RI provide. Um, but people should get in contact with a lifeboat station in the first instance, um, and um, and then we sort of select people from there. It's not for everyone, um, but but it's not just the going out on the boat that's important. It's the people who are on shore helping us wash the boats down when they come back. I mean, every single time that the boat comes back from service, it's washed down, it's cleaned absolutely thoroughly, meticulously, mm. refueled, ready for service. Uh, and um, how many volunteers have you got currently at the moment then? So I think we've got about 34 people okay. at the moment, um, and um, we work off a pager system, so everybody's got a pager. Um, would, you, would you like to hear the pager noise? Oh, go on then. Treat us. Wow, you hear that? Yeah, um, it's not so good when it goes off in the middle of the night. No, <laughs> it's all right at seven minutes to nine on a Thursday night, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the dog normally jumps two foot in the air when it I goes bet. off. But so do you. Going off. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you do. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, again, it's, it's a world worthwhile thing to do anyway, isn't it? And, uh, again, you meet people as well. That's a, that's a good thing, make well, friendships. Well, you do. I mean, our crew is very diverse, you know, from undertakers to tree surgeons to estate really? agents yeah. to students to naval officers you know we've got a very very diverse crew um and at the end of the day we all get on as one crew because we are one crew yeah but but the important thing is that at, at any point our lives could depend on the person stood next to us to our left or our right um so that's something that we all train hard to to, to remember you know our lives really are dependent on each other Neil, we're running out of time, so uh, we want to get your you last song in before we sort of head off into the distance tonight. Yes. But Neil, I mean, if people want to get involved uh, in volunteering in with the INLI, particularly here in the Portsmouth area, how can they do that? How can they get about it? So um, they need to email the uh, lifeboat station. Um, so that's just portsmouth.rnli.org.uk. That's portsmouth.rnli.org.uk. Um, in the first instance, and uh, and then we can we can go from there. Fantastic, brilliant they stuff. Need to live within ten minutes of the lifeboat station. Right. Okay. So yeah, so that's something to bear in mind. So ten minutes, yeah. uh, and I guess if not Portsmouth, that there are other ones dotted around. Uh, one at Hailing, isn't there? Yeah, there's one at Hailing. Yeah, um, we've got one over at Benbridge, um, one at Cowshot, one at Cows, and yeah. then one at Yarmouth. Brilliant stuff. Okay, so have a think about it if you really want to uh, get involved in that. Neil, it's fascinating talking to you. Thanks for coming on tonight. It's always nice to come on to you. And, and particularly, you're going to have a busy, uh, uh, imagine, summer. Hopefully, it's all going to be fingers crossed. You won't be called out so much, but you never know, dear. That's the thing. <laughs> you you're always know, there. We'll be ready if we are. Bless you. Uh, Neil Maxwell, thanks for coming on tonight. Good to talk to you. We'll keep in touch. Cheers.
Cheers, Thanks, mate. Chris. Take care. All the best. Bye. That's it. Another busy week. We'll do it again for you next week. I'm hoping next week we're talking to Dr. Paul Driver. Uh, he's from the National Archives at Kew. Fingers crossed. Could be interesting, you know. Uh, look forward to this. Uh, his company has a profile guest, and I hear two of his songs. Uh, and plus, Chris Dixon amongst the guests next week from the Horndean Camera Club. That's next week. Have a fabulous seven days. Take care. Look after yourselves. No, no, no.